0: And welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. I believe that we can thrive in all areas of life at the same time. But where do we begin? Personally, financially, spiritually, relationally? And often because we don't know where to focus, we do nothing. At least that's the space I lived in for several years. I know what it feels like to constantly be spinning my wheels. And that's exactly why I created the Dream Life Daily Journal. After working through the Dream Life Action Planner, we need to do something every day so we actually take steps in the direction we desire. Throughout the years, I've developed success habits that have helped me to create a Dream 10 life in all areas by focusing on one area at a time. And I teach you exactly what to do each and every day in the Dream Life Daily Journal. You'll find a gratitude game every day to start the morning off right, a space for prayer, meditation, journaling, a space to write down your clear and intentional dream life goal with affirmations and visualizations connected to that goal. You'll then have a spot to write down your dream life action to-do list so you can be intentionally taking action towards your goal every single day. I know that by completing the Dream Life Daily Journal every day for at least 30 days, you can create momentum. And when you do that, my friends, you can live your dream life too. Check out the dreamlifetoolkit.com or Amazon to get your copy of the Dream Life Daily Journal today. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am super excited about our next guest. We actually met at PodFest last year, which is a podcasting, I don't know, hangout spot where we all learn how to be better at this craft. And she was a speaker speaking on how to have a successful podcast. And, and I loved her story. I loved her energy and I loved her tips. She is actually an award winning broadcast journalist speaker, and former TV news reporter, and she's now leading a movement to enjoy staying informed. She's founder and host of the daily news show, The Newsworthy, where she combines more than a decade of journalism experience with her own voice and style to provide fast, fair, and fun daily news updates in less than 10 minutes. Now, her podcast, The Newsworthy has been featured on multiple platforms and media outlets, including Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Inside Radio, The Penny Hoarder, and the list goes on and on. But before launching The Newsworthy, she was a reporter for CBS Los Angeles, where she regularly appeared on several well-known media outlets. So she is well-versed in her niche, but decided to take it to the podcasting world. So Dreamcast listeners, please welcome Erica Mandy to the Dreamcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm so excited to hear your story because you were a broadcaster and and to be honest, when I was a teenager, people would ask me what I wanted to do and I said I wanted to be a news anchor and I think it was really just because I wanted to be on TV. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you you were working in the industry that you loved, but then you decided to make a pivot. So before we talk about starting your podcast, I'd love to hear what got you into broadcasting to begin with.
1: Sure. So I went to college knowing some of my interests and that I love to write more than, you know, necessarily science or something. But I didn't know exactly what that looked like for my career. So I was definitely that freshman kind of searching around, looking at both business school and journalism. And I kind of took a step back. I just said, what do I love to do? Well, I love to write. I love to talk to people. I grew up dancing and performing. So there's an an element of performance in that journalism aspect. So I started at the journalism school and I went down a couple tracks where I looked at magazine and broadcast and ultimately discovered that I loved combining the elements of writing and storytelling with the video and audio elements that television and broadcast allows for and kind of using that creativity to combine it all together to tell a great story. And so I started making $10 an hour as a part-time reporter in a small town in Missouri to get my foot in the door and kind of worked my way up through that station and two more stations and then made it to Los Angeles, where I was working at CBS there for what is the second largest news market in the country. But it took me, you know, seven years to get there.
0: How long were you working for for TV in this way?
1: So I ultimately after school spent over 10 years in broadcast journalism in a, you know, working for news affiliates around the country.
0: Okay. So after a decade of experience, you decided you wanted to do something different. Tell me about that.
1: I realized that there was a point in my career that not only was the industry changing, but that people were telling me that they weren't paying attention to news because they always use the words depressing, time-consuming, overwhelming, boring. And I just felt like, what can I do to help people stay informed in a different way? And there was also a point where I said, even if I got to that What I thought was my dream, you know, a network anchor, all of these things. Like I no longer wanted that so called dream that I wanted years ago because I saw the changes in the industry and I knew now what it was like to work in that environment. And so it was really this combination of wanting to help other people stay informed in a new way and wanting to innovate in my industry, and realizing that there was a gap in the market. I personally wanted a podcast, something that I can listen to while I'm doing my makeup in the morning or on my way to work, that I don't have to stare at another screen, but that also doesn't sound like so boring and depressing, which really felt like there that was the only news available. And so I was so surprised to see that, that nothing like that existed. And so then I started researching, well, what if I just did this myself? And When I realized that it was possible, I felt like I had to take the risk and at least try.
0: Did you start the podcast before you quit your job?
1: I actually wish I could have, but it was not an option for me for a couple of reasons. One, when I was working for CBS, and when you work in television in general, you're usually under contract. And that contract says anything you do outside of your work here, we own. Because I was on air, they assume that anything you put out into the public, you're representing them. So that kind of was one reason. The other reason was because I wanted to do a daily news show, a daily news podcast. And I was working daily at a 10 hour a day job where I was going in at one in the afternoon. I mean, even more than 10 hours, sometimes depending on where we were live at night, you know, I wasn't getting home till after midnight, sometimes two in the morning. And so it was just impossible time wise to go to that full time job and do pretty much a full time podcast. Because when you're talking about a daily news show, it's not just a few hours a week, you're talking about current events that you cannot batch in in advance that you have to do. And you have to spend hours kind of gathering it all together and producing it for the next day.
0: Yeah, that's so true. When you're doing a daily show, people think, oh, it's less than 10 minutes. But you're like, there's a lot of effort that goes into finding the newsworthy articles and information and then putting it together in a concise, fun way. So you had to (laughs) fully... quit and and jump in with both feet. How long did that transition take?
1: So I will say I researched the idea before I left. I just didn't put anything out into the public. So I did run a little survey to just get feedback about what people thought of this idea because I wanted to hear from strangers and not just friends. And I heard a lot of things that were good telling me that the things that I can't change, right? Like I like her voice, but I don't listen to podcasts or things like that, where I was like, okay, well, Podcasts are growing. I think eventually people will listen to more podcasts. But if they like my voice and they like the concept, then I'm moving in the right direction. And the other thing that got me to really take the leap was that I started to want to research this more than go into my day job. I've looked into other careers before and experimented with them, maybe did some freelance writing, had lunch with some people. And ultimately, when I got the job offer, I was like, I don't think that I want to do that. And so I stuck with TV news. But when I came up with this idea, and I really researched it, and I really dove in that's when I realized like, I want to do this more than anything. I could do this all day. And that's when I was like, okay, I feel like I have to try. And so I basically had to wait until my contract ended. But I told my boss about two months or so before, because so that they would have plenty of time to replace me, I didn't want to burn any bridges as much as possible. And you know, I will say that that boss while he's a great, nice guy, he did say to me, why do you want to start a podcast? My 19-year-old son wants to start a podcast. And I had other people, once it it came out, saying, so many people would kill to have this job. How are you leaving it? Like I I can't believe that you're giving it all up. And I had to still kind of stick with my intuition that this was right for me, that I had to try. And worst case scenario... If it doesn't work out, I can probably get another job. I have 10 years experience, right? So I felt like I I had to believe in myself that I could maybe go back if I really had to. But I would always wonder, I would always regret if I didn't try because I really felt like I could help people and it could be something that I felt really passionate about. So I left in June of 2017. Yes, June 2017 and then launched the show the end of August that same year.
0: What I think is really special is when you've got that fire burning, you know, you've got that passion, you are seeing life in a new way and you're kind of at work going, I'm wasting so much time because right. because this is not going to take me anywhere. This, there's no next step. I don't really like this was great while it was here, but it's not really what I want anymore. And when your spark is lit, you know, you're excited about something else. You, It's kind of your duty to step into it and see where it takes you.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, taking those first few steps to research it and not just assume that the idea gets me excited is what made me feel like I was on solid ground when people questioned me. Because I had done a couple months of the research and making sure that this is something that I really wanted and looking into podcasting and talking to as many people as I could. And quite frankly, looking at finances to say, okay, if I don't make money for a year, am I going to be okay? Because I knew that it takes time to grow an audience and that, you know, at the beginning, my business model is to wait until I can have sponsors. So I knew that that was going to take some time. And so really making sure that I was willing to take that risk and that I was set up appropriately to take that risk as well. And give myself that timeline of if in one year, it is not growing at all, people don't seem to be getting it, then maybe I need to pivot and either look into another career path or go back to TV. And... Thankfully, after that one year, you know, it's still growing and things are going well, but I knew that going in that this was going to be a challenge, but I was willing to try.
0: It's kind of like a calculated risk, you know, You're, you're taking a risk. You don't really know what's on the other side, but yet you've done enough homework where you feel like there's a bridge under you, or you feel like, It's not wobbly. You're not jumping off a cliff. Uh, I mean, it was a little like that. It's still scary. It's still scary.
1: (laughs) But you feel a little bit, you feel a little bit better knowing that you've done your due diligence.
0: Yes, absolutely. So what I think is funny too, when your boss says, my 19-year-old son wants to start a podcast, in his mind, he might be thinking like, oh, anyone can do it. But in your mind, that makes me think, oh, awesome. Podcasts are things that people that are younger, the rising generation want to
1: listen to. You know, what's hilarious is about five months or so after I left, that station started their own podcast. (laughs) And so it really actually felt validating to me that like, hey, I'm actually paying attention to what's going on in the industry. And sure enough, all these local news stations are starting to launch podcasts because they see how well news podcasts are doing. And I will say I needed that 10 years of traditional experience to have the credibility, to have the knowledge, the expertise to be able to pull off the newsworthy and do it the way that I want it to compete with some of those huge news organizations. And so I'm so grateful for the 10 years I spent. I could not do the newsworthy without that. But I knew that I was kind of at a turning point in my career where I was ready to, to go off on my own, even though when I started... I had never imagined that I would do something like that.
0: Yeah. When you feel that kind of stirring in your spirit, it can be a little bit nerve wracking because it's change. But at the end of the day, it's fulfilling to take that step. So the first you, you quit, you start your podcast. Tell me a little bit about how you gather the news for each daily show.
1: Sure, so I basically think of it as i 'm doing all the hard work for you of looking at all the different perspectives, looking at all the headlines and articles i'm doing hours basically of research and reading, and rewriting it in a way that is easy to digest that you 're getting the main highlights you 're not having to do the hours of clicking through all the different articles, but yet you 're still getting the best information and so I basically look at everything there is, I try to look at both CNN and Fox News and Wall Street Journal and New York Times for one story so that you're getting all the perspectives. It's really unbiased, but yet you only need you know a minute to understand that story. And then I write it in a way that's like a friend telling you what's going on. I don't need to be that authoritative anchor and have that reporter voice because people don't want that anymore. They just wanna say, hey, here's what's going on. Let me chat with you and tell you about it. And it also makes your mornings a little bit Less, less of a drag, I guess, because I think sometimes when I would turn on the news, and it's just like 20 stories of doom and gloom, and the anchor is monotone and boring. It's just it it wasn't what I wanted in the morning. So I really think about that when gathering stories. What are the big news stories of the day? What are some other interesting things that aren't just sad, but still impact our lives, like the tech industry, because what Amazon and Facebook and all of those companies are doing really impacts us. We use them every day. And then also, what's just fun that's going to either uplift you or be a great conversation starter for when you go to happy hour on Friday.
0: Yeah, I I listen to you consistently and I love the tech updates because they are things that impact my daily life, but things that I often I don't know about unless it pops up on my Facebook feed.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you for listening, by the way.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I know you do interviews sometimes and you have guests on there. Tell me how you choose those and what that looks like.
1: Yes. So I launched the show in basically September of 2017. And then in January of 2018, I launched a new segment called Thing to Know Thursday that's only on Thursdays and it comes after the day's news. And I when I chose to do that, I really just wanted to experiment with it and see one, how the audience liked it, did they get something out of it? And two, did it do something else for me as an entrepreneur that I needed, which was have a guest share the episode with their audience. Because that was one of the marketing strategies I kept reading about for podcasters is to have your guests share it with their audience. But I'm like, well, I don't have any guests. So that helped launch the idea. And I just wanted to experiment if it was really annoying to listeners, I wouldn't do it. You know, They're my top priority. Well, it turns out I started getting great feedback about these extra little five to seven minute interviews after the day's news on one different news topic. And I noticed that Thursday's episodes were getting some of the most downloads. So people were actually probably tuning in to listen to the news, but also see what topic I would be talking about that week. And so I thought, okay, great. So now I do the daily news show plus this interview segment once a week. And we talk about everything from Today, I talked about drones. You know, what is the future of drones? I don't know why I find that so fascinating. Then there's China's social credit system that a lot of people don't know about. But then we'll also talk about like fun tech gifts for Father's Day. So I really, again, try to keep it both serious and important topics and also fun. You know, we'll talk about the Oscars and the Grammys and stuff like that too. And I, again, think about what is going to be a great conversation starter. What do people maybe not already really know that it's super interesting, or what's just going to help their lives or make them, you know, excited to listen. And then I can go back to my journalism roots to find the guests. You know, I, I think about who's an expert in this, it's really going to be able to talk well about the topic. And then a lot of times it's using my network, sometimes it's reaching out to people cold, but I was used to finding experts every single day on deadline when I was working for television news. So it, it really doesn't feel that big of a deal
0: to me. And do you find that it's helpful for them? I mean, has it grown your listener base to have the guests to share it with their audience as well?
1: You know, yes and no. I think that sometimes they share it, sometimes they don't, and that's okay, but... And then sometimes they're, you know, news experts that don't have an online following. They're more like professors or they, you know, are a researcher or something. But other times, you know, I've talked with a host of entertainment tonight and and stuff like that. So they obviously have a good following. So it really depends on the guest and their willingness to share. So I've definitely noticed sometimes I'll get maybe like 100 new listeners out of a big guest. And and that's great. You know, it really comes down to anything I can do to help new people discover the newsworthy that it might benefit them. I'm willing to give it a try.
0: Yeah. Well, and of course, adding value to your current audience just keeps them loyal as well. Absolutely. And the collaboration piece is something that I think people are really starting to own. It's not about competition anymore. We we know that there's enough to go around and abundance for everyone. So collaborating with other podcasts and other experts is good for them. It's good for you. And it ends up being a win-win situation. 100%
1: I've even done things with other podcasters where maybe I provide them a minute of news that is about their niche for their show And then they provide me with a little expert clip, you know for my show and then we're helping each other out I've done bonus episodes with other podcasters And so i'm always trying to get creative about how can I help others and then also expose new audiences to my show in case It might help them out in their daily lives
0: yeah. Yeah. And I love that being creative, especially as things move so quickly and, and w- the world is really changing. People aren't necessarily sitting down and watching the news for an hour at night anymore. Not only is it depressing and time consuming, but we're also just busier and we've got all these distractions and things. So I love your concept is, is fast. It's fair. It's fun. And it really feels like it keeps me up to date on what's going on.
1: I'm so glad to hear that.
0: You've been in business now for a few years. I would love to hear maybe one of the more challenging situations that you've had to overcome over the past few years starting this.
1: So, there are a couple of things. There's always like these mini fires that I feel like I'm putting out. So I just had one this week where for some reason my show was taken off of iTunes and I was freaking out because a lot of the listeners listen through that app. And so it's just, and and some of it is out of your control, right? So you email the right people, you do as much as you can, and then you kind of just have to wait and say, that's all I can do. It's all I can control. Thankfully, that's fixed. So don't worry. But, um, you know, and then I've had kind of the bigger things, which going through this whole process of leaving a career and starting something new, what I think was most unexpected and, and maybe challenging is... Really, just overcoming any doubts that creep in. I think after you get past the honeymoon phase of launching and people are excited about it, and I got a feature on Apple actually, you know, when I first started, which was great because I saw my audience growing. And then maybe you go through a month of plateaued audience and you're not sure what to do next, or, you know, you see these other people that are huge and you're like, can I ever get there? And so it's really kind of having to deal with the mindset of, working on something that is completely yours the pressure that comes with it the ups and downs that come with it and then saying you're going to keep going anyway and really just trying to i feel like i've grown so much in the process personally because it has challenged my mindset it has challenged me to keep going and and sure enough as i keep going i i have more wins I have more, you know, challenges as well. But it's, it's really shown me that, hey, I do have grit and I can stick with this. And ultimately, it's really, really rewarding when I hear from listeners who say, thank you. I have less anxiety because I now listen to your show. I voted for the first time because I listened to your show. And so ultimately, it feels worth it. But there are definitely bumps in the road.
0: Yeah, no, you're so right. We've I think that honeymoon phase is is funny cuz we we jump in and we're like, "Woohoo! This is this is what I want to do." But then we hit our first funk or then we get our yeah. first no or then something happens and we go, "Oh." <laughs> and we have to keep our personal vision alive. We have to keep that that the why strong, right? So we yes. trudge through the mud a little bit. What are some of your favorite personal development strategies? Books you read, podcasts you listen to? I think one of the things,
1: honestly, is I became more consistent about meditating. I think that there was a time when I, and and still sometimes is, when I put so much pressure on myself to do everything and I never feel like I'm doing enough. And so when I take a step back and I meditate even for 10 minutes in the morning, that really makes a big difference to my whole day because I'm forced to stop and kind of like have perspective on everything and be kind to myself and so and do what i can and understand that i'm human and so that's been really helpful to me as well what other things so podcasts i listen i have started you know reading business books and listening to business podcasts and i kind of just jump around to whatever topic i think i need to Listen to at the moment. I will say what I've kind of learned is not to take in too much. I think at the beginning, I was listening to every podcast and every reading, every book, and reading every article online that I could possibly find about entrepreneurship. And while that really was great to give me kind of the big picture, you can't absorb all of it at once. And so I think one of the tips that I would give people is to take one thing that you really resonate with or that is going to help you take notes on it and try to implement that before you go on to the next thing. And because otherwise you're going to feel overwhelmed.
0: Yeah. Ooh, a couple of things you mentioned. So meditation, I think is a beautiful, beautiful thing to add into your day because so many of us are multitasking, you know, especially as entrepreneurs, because we're the CEO of our business. We're, 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 the, we're the talent. We're the we're managers. Animals. We're the shipping center. We're the, <laughs> and so we're a little bit of everything. And so our our heads can be all over the place. And so to quiet our mind down and really just take a deep breath and allow ourselves to just be can put us in a better place to actually do the action that much better. So I love that tip. And then when I think about the overwhelm, I totally agree. I think there's so many times where we can be in constant learning mode, but then we do nothing because we're trying to become an expert before we actually start taking action. And that never seems to work.
1: Yes, I agree. And I think also, you know, for both of those tips, it, it helps just take the pressure off because our minds can't operate under too much stress. Stress can obviously be a good thing if you're under deadline or something, but I think when you overdo it and you constantly feel stress, you're just gonna wanna lay in bed and not actually do the work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when you do it, you're like freaking out about it and it's not as quality as it could be. Right. (laughs) Okay. So now I want to hear about some amazing wins. What are some really fun things that have happened over the past few years?
1: Yes. So I think one of the biggest things is really being willing to take things into my own hands and reach out to people when necessary. So that means reaching out to the right people to get featured on Apple podcasts or other media features. It means calling the experts that I want to have on my show, even when my brain is telling me like, I don't know if I'll ever want to be on my show, but reaching out to them anyway, and really having some good big wins because I was willing to do that. One recent example was everyone was talking about how Pandora was adding podcasts to their app and that it was this really big deal because Pandora has all these active listeners who maybe haven't listened to podcasts before. And so I took kind of the general steps that I was supposed to take to try to get on Pandora and it was crickets. I didn't hear anything back from anyone And I thought, gosh, what else can I do to get on Pandora? I'm not willing to just wait. It's kind of like, you know, when you send in a resume through monster.com or something and then you just wait, like it doesn't work. And so I thought about who do I know? And I realized that the person kind of leading podcasts at Pandora, I had met at a conference and he was really great and I really respected him. And so I decided to reach out to him and follow up again when I didn't hear back. And ultimately, he got back to me, put me in touch with the right people. And before I knew it, my show was up on Pandora. And so it was just an example of thinking about what can I do? What extra step can I take? Can I use my network? Can I send an email to get to that goal, even if it's a a minor goal, instead of just waiting like everybody
0: else? Yeah. Yeah. You're becoming a professional asker. You're knowing, <laughs> knowing what you want and then asking whoever until. <laughs> yeah. And then also,
1: you know, pulling on the value that I do bring. You know, I have 10 years of experience in journalism. We all have something to offer when we start something new. We all have skills that we've gained over the years and they apply in some way. So I would say, even though something is new, it doesn't mean you're not bringing a lot of value to the table from your past experience. So when you're asking, you're not just asking, you're also offering great, like I'm offering Pandora, some of my listeners and some great value to their app. And so you have to think of it that way as well.
0: Yeah, ooh, I love that. Because I think we sometimes do under play ourselves and we undervalue ourselves because we think it's just normal when really we do have a lot to bring to the table and they would be lucky to have you.
1: Yes, exactly. And I, th- I think you have to remind yourself of that because I think too often people can fall into this comparison game and assume that everybody else is doing better, but they're not, you know, <laughs> and you offer just as much. So definitely keep that in mind as you reach out to people. But I you know, I had other I think big wins for me is getting featured several times on Apple Podcasts because a lot of listeners go to that featured homepage to find the next show that they want to listen to and these are people who already know how to listen to podcasts, so that was a a really great thing for me to see kind of have the validation of like oh, there's the New York Times, The Daily and The Washington Post and The Newsworthy right next to that. And so it was like, here I am as an independent podcaster with the the experience, but without the marketing dollars, right? As these huge multi-million dollar news organizations. And so to be next to them on that app was a lot of validation and a really big win for me in this process of getting people to know that The Newsworthy exists.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Once you have a good product, you want people to know about it. So then you're constantly thinking, how can I get more eyes in front of this helpful, supportive product? So did you have to do anything to get featured or was it just listens and they were like, oh, we like her?
1: I did work the relationship. I found people at Apple and, and started to build that relationship and just let them know about the show. And you know, at the end of the day, content is king. And they saw that it was unique, especially at the beginning. And so thankfully, you know, they didn't really tell me much, but I think there's a correlation of building that relationship. And ultimately, it landed on that feature page.
0: Well, congratulations. That is exciting. I'm like, you take a screenshot of that. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, woo-hoo, let's exactly. Absolutely. So one question I have is, you, you said you had a year before you like a year to really dive in. Before you needed to be making an income, but podcasting is free for listeners. So how do podcasters, especially if this is your full-time job, make an income doing podcasting?
1: So I will say a lot of people and probably the smarter way to go, especially if you're in a niche, is it's kind of a marketing tool for your business, which is a great thing. For me, I don't have that other business. And I felt like there was a general enough audience out there for the show that I just had to be patient to build the audience. And so... As expected, I did not make money for the first little while or I made very little. And so, but now I have sponsors on every show. And a lot of that money I reinvest into the business. I just brought on a writer to help me and you know I go to conferences and stuff like that. But I have kind of this larger plan that, okay, now that I'm reinvesting some of the money that I'm bringing in, I can continue to grow it. And there's definitely a a very realistic plan in place to get to the point that I really want to when it comes to income. But right now, I mostly make money from sponsors, and I am looking to launch a membership probably in early April. I'm working on that right now, where if you're a loyal listener and you want to get a bonus episode or you want to support the show, various things like that, you can pay, you know, five bucks a month. And that definitely adds up when you know I have a lot of listeners. And then in the future, I see a lot of different opportunities, whether it's events, products, etc. So it's really about building that audience and then providing what they want in a new way.
0: Ooh, very smart. Well, we'll put all your links in the show notes below you guys. The Newsworthy and then ericamandy.com has all of her information as well. So if there's somebody who is listening, who's like, all right, I have been in my job about 10 years and I'm kind of feeling like I'm outgrowing it or I'm ready for my next step. But they're a bit hesitant. They're wanting to change, but they don't really know what to do next. What advice would you give them?
1: Sure. And let me just add one more thing that I I realized I didn't say is that when you start something new, unexpected opportunities come your way as well. And one of the other ways that I've made money is some consulting projects and some speaking gigs that I never really set out to have that happen. But When people said, oh, wow, you were able to pull this off. I need help doing it as well. Then I was able to do some stuff on the side. I still have some projects that might work out in the future that I did not seek out, but that organically came to me. I spoke for the first time at National Association of Broadcasters because I was asked to do that As a podcaster, I had never been asked to do that as a journalist for CBS. So it's just really interesting that when you kind of start something, you might find yourself getting unexpected opportunities, which is really neat. In terms of what to do next, I would say do the research. You know, I think sometimes we expect that the idea will be this aha moment when really you kind of need to dig in and see if you're still feeling as passionate about it when you see that it's a lot of work. And so, Do the research, go to lunch with someone, go to coffee with someone, and really dig into what it is you want to do. And you'll start to notice if you're more interested or feeling like it's a little bit of a drag to have to go and do these things that they're talking about. And that's your signal if you should pursue it more or less.
0: Ooh, yes, follow your joy. And and the best way to do that is by doing the research. And if the research keeps you up at night and you could do it all day long, then that's a good sign. And if the research makes you go, um, no, thank you. <laughs> exactly. Then, then follow that, that as well.
1: And I would also say, you know, if you're having a, a tough time taking a risk just practice that risk muscle a little bit. They could be as little as sending an email or following up with someone that you've been procrastinating about because you're a little bit scared and you you have some fear about that. Like You'll see that sending that email probably leads to something really great. And the more that you take these little risks, then, then you'll start to take bigger risks and you can kind of work out that risk muscle.
0: Yeah. Once you ask the first time, then asking the second time isn't as hard. And then asking the third time and then you know, I feel like it's growing your comfort zone. And then pretty soon that uncomfortable thing becomes comfortable and then you get to grow again. And then that uncomfortable thing becomes comfortable and then you get to grow again. So you can do it on things that are less intimidating than quitting your job and starting a business. You can do it on on less uh, intense types things to grow that. So then when you do have the big opportunities, it doesn't feel as, as uncomfortable.
1: Exactly. And I've, I've definitely done it on kind of the minor side of things as well as, as the big stuff. So I definitely recommend it. And usually when you take a risk, you'll be happy to see the results of said risk.
0: Yes. Well, and we always say what regret is worse than the fear of the risk. If we don't take a step and we, we feel like, man, what if I, I did? And, you know, you can regret that you didn't try is often worse than the fear itself.
1: That is really one of the main reasons that helped me really take that step of quitting my job is that when I, I said, even if I get to the level that I once set out to get to, I think that I will always wonder about this if I don't try. And again, I can go back if I have to. So why not try? The idea that I might regret it was a big sign for me that I, I really wanted to do this.
0: Yeah. I, I read somewhere recently that they say the lie is, is that you're stuck and there's no other option. And then and, and that's just a lie. There's always options. And I think sometimes people feel like they're afraid to take the step because what if it's the wrong step? And when you realize there's a plethora of steps and you can always switch and move and try and see and you're flexible and it's not right or wrong. It's not black or white. There's all, it's like a five lane highway. You're more apt to take a step because you know, it's just one piece of the puzzle.
1: 100%. Yeah, I definitely agree with that and encourage people to to try it out. Try out, again, something small and, and see how it goes. And you'll see that taking a risk, a calculated risk is usually a, a good thing.
0: So are there any experts that you have gotten to interview or meet because of this opportunity that uh, you were like, that was on your bucket list or you were excited about?
1: You know, it's interesting because... There are all these people doing really interesting things that I didn't even know their names before, and I think it really depends on you know when I wasn't paying attention to entrepreneurship, I didn't know who the heck Marie Forleo and Gary Vee and all these people even were and so it's really it's been fun to learn about a new industry, the podcasting industry it's been fun to learn about entrepreneurship and to see all these people doing great things and so along that way, you know when I first Started, I read like John Lee Dumas's blogs, right? He talked about doing a daily podcast. He was one of the first to do that with his Entrepreneurs on Fire show. And so I remember reading his blogs and thinking, okay, this is really helpful. So I'm going to follow some of this advice. And then I went to another podcasting conference and I ended up meeting him. And now it's so funny because we're friends and he tells me that he listens to the show every day and he's been on the show and all of the, that stuff. So it's been fun to people that I set out and kind of admired when I started and, and now, you know, are my friends and that, you know, listen to the show. It, it, that's That's a pretty cool thing to see. And I think with the experts that I have on my show, same thing as when I worked in TV news, like I'm always meeting really interesting people with really interesting backgrounds. And I get to learn more about a different topic and kind of become a mini expert myself on such a wide variety of things, which is just really fascinating to learn about the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You really do get to talk to a lot of really different types of people who are experts in their own field, which means you're getting great information yourself. Exactly. So as an entrepreneur, you work primarily from home, but you're networking, you're getting the word out. I see you going to a lot of conferences and adding value anywhere that you could. Besides meditation, is there anything you do every day that you couldn't live without?
1: I mean, I do think that I can tell the difference if I haven't worked out in a couple days, especially when you're working from home. I think it's important for anyone who does work from home to kind of get out, whether that's go to a coffee shop, um, go to the gym, something. And, And I don't always get out every day. And so I can tell the difference in my happiness level, my production level, all of that. And so I really do try to make sure that it's going for a walk, going to the gym, going to a coffee shop, whatever it is that I'm I'm making an effort to get out of my home office.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I love to joke that my favorite outfit is like pajama pants and a nice shirt (laughs) (laughs) because we're in Zooms all all afternoon. So it looks like we're dressed, but really we're just cozy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, it's been fun to kind of connect with friends that are fellow entrepreneurs. And so we'll go to the coffee shop together or we'll have a brainstorming session together. And so that's really helpful as well. And finding those people even in your local community.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Erica, congratulations on having a top performing podcast on multiple platforms and continuing to grow your audience. And I love that you mentioned that you are growing and you know, you know what, we're the cap on our business. So because you're growing, your business is continuing to grow and you're just uh, making waves because you're you're creating your own category here. So you guys check out the Newsworthy. She uploads consistently five days a week by 4 a.m. Eastern. So when you're getting up for your workout, getting ready for your day, you can listen to the 10 or so minutes of fast fair, and fun news and stay up to date. So is there anything else that you'd like to add, Erica?
1: Just thank you so much for having me on the show. And thank you for spreading such great, inspiring messages with your podcast.
0: Absolutely. Thank you guys so much and we'll see you in the next one. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, Castbox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out and remember to dream big.